Today on CityCast Philly. City Council voted to make the temporary 10 p.m. curfew for teens that was enacted this summer permanent. If the mayor signs off on this, it could also require children 13 and under to be home by 930. Officials are citing public safety as the reason for the change. But do curfews work to reduce violence? It's Wednesday, December 7th, 2022. I'm Trinae Nuri, and this is CityCast Philly. Dr. Katerina Roman, you're a criminal justice professor at Temple University, and you've studied the effectiveness of curfews. So let's just, you know, cut right to the chase. Do curfews make people safer? Well, I would tell you that curfews make people feel safer, but the evidence from the research is mixed. The majority of studies to date show that there's no significant reduction in violence or victimization during curfew hours. There have been a number of studies over the years. I've been involved in one that looked at the impact of the curfew in Prince George's County, Maryland. Prince George's is a large county that borders the District of Columbia. And Philadelphia has actually had a curfew for teens in place since 1955, but Philadelphia is no exception. Countless other cities also have similar curfews. Can you tell me a little bit about the history of curfews on youth in America? I was very interested in it in the 90s when um, crime was increasing in the late 80s, early 90s, and jurisdictions were looking for ways to get tough. And we heard the term super predators, that the coming of the super predators, that everyone was saying youth violence in was increasing and Congress, our White House administration in the 90s and other jurisdictions and states said, we have to do something, what can we do? And one of the easiest things, policies, procedures, laws to pass is a curfew law because it is seemingly a law regulation where, hey, if youth are off the street, then they cannot get hurt. So the intent, you know, is that feel good aspect of it. If we can keep youth from being harmed, keep them off the street, then that is is something good. So a lot of advocates for the curfew were saying, why not keep youth in the late hours off the street? If they don't need to be on the street in those hours, this is, in the advocates' eyes, something that will simply keep youth safe. If they're not on the street, they have a lower likelihood of being harmed. But again, that is not what the studies show. Now, there aren't you know, dozens of studies that examine curfews. It's not particularly easy to study, to find the measures that you need to understand if crime and crime committed Why by is that? Because when we think about crime, you can think about being a victim of a crime or being a perpetrator. So being a perpetrator of crime and understanding those numbers and measures means that police jurisdictions would have to keep data on who's been arrested for the crimes. Not only who's been arrested, but what age are those individuals who've been arrested. But we know that clearance rates, right, the 
arresting individuals who commit crimes is not very high when it comes to violence. Um, in fact, Philadelphia's clearance rates for shootings and homicides is below 50%. I think for shootings, for non-fatal shootings, it's somewhere in the 30s, right? So we are, we're not arresting people. We don't understand the ages. We don't have the measures and the data to tell us who are committing those crimes. So what we can measure is the victims, is what are the age of the, of the victims? And that, that's what I did in the late 90s when I was examining Prince George's County's curfew. We looked at the age of the victims and we did not find any significant reduction in victimization for youth who were of curfew age. What has your research shown you in terms of kids actually obeying these curfews? Well, it, it's hard to say. You can look at the numbers of citations that are given, but that is a function of police activity. And then I'm sure you'll have some questions about that, right? Are we using police resources the right way? We can have a curfew law on the books, but are police going out actively seeking to look for youth who may be violating the curfew? And is that the best use of their time. That, that's a big question that researchers have, especially today, right. where we know that police agencies have few resources in Philadelphia. We know that there are many vacancies in our police department. Is it really a good use of resources to have police brass telling the officers you should be out looking for youth violating the curfew. So speaking of the police side of this, like how difficult is it to enforce curfews? Well, I think when you when you think about the actions of police and what their tasks are in terms of, of public safety, now maybe just putting police presence on a block will deter a motivated offender, let's say. And that is what, in general, an officer is supposed to do, be looking and spending time preventing crimes and keeping the public safe. But as soon as you add the task of, well, there's three youth who look like they're 15 congregating over there in that corner or near that rec center, Philadelphia's curfew is asking the police officer to go interact with those youth, pick them up and try to bring them home find the time to find the parent, get in contact with them. And if you can't get in contact with the parent or the youth can't get in the house, then you're bringing them to a community center, which I think there's only four or five in Philadelphia. So that means driving them most likely a number of miles. That is taking an officer away from trying to reduce violent crime, actively being in the hot spots of crime doing something that could be much more efficient than carting a youth to his or her parents' house. Dr. Roman, do you know if the enforcement of these curfews disproportionately impact communities of color? Well, that, that is a great question. So to my knowledge, no one has specifically studied the disproportional impact of a curfew on black youth. But when you look at the literature, 
there is lots of evidence that black youth experience disproportionate contact with the police, even accounting for criminal and delinquent behavior. So you have youth, and particularly in urban areas, who are disproportionately coming into contact with the police. Then you look at the research that shows what is happening during that contact and are there studies that had looked at potentially harmful outcomes of simple contact. And there was a study, it's called a systematic review, a study that reviews existing studies. Mm -hmm. it, it sets criteria and says, we're gonna look to see who has studied the impact of, of contact between police and youth. And it was published last year, maybe earlier this year in, I think it was JAMA Pediatrics. It looked at 29 studies that covered roughly 20,000 participants, and it found that simple police exposure, police contact with youth, was associated with adverse outcomes. This could be meaning adverse mental health, risk behaviors, impaired safety. This, the review of studies showed that seemingly trivial police contact or even having a fear of contact could be detrimental to the health of black youth. To me, that is really, really important to take into account. If curfews are not effective at reducing violent crime, why do so many cities still use them? And what are some alternatives? So the first part of your question is curfews are a feel-good measure, right? We need to do something now. What can a city, what can a jurisdiction do? Our youth and young adults who are vulnerable out there. There are so many shootings in Philadelphia. I think that the average number of shootings since the pandemic yearly has almost doubled, right? So fatal and non-fatal. So we want our youth to be safe. And I think it's, it's easy to say, let's keep them off the street, right? If parents aren't keeping their youth off the street, let's do something simple, right? It seems simple. But we don't have, like I said, we don't have the data, we don't have studies that we can hold up and say, if you do this curfew and police are enforcing it, and we have thousands of kids in Philadelphia having this seemingly trivial contact with the police, five years from now, these youth are gonna end up highly anxious or less likely to call the police. We can't say A and B leads to C. With, with research, we, we would like to. So we have to pull the pieces together and say, here are these other studies that show even the seemingly trivial contact between minority youth and the police can be very detrimental to one's health. So what can we do instead? Well, as, as a city, we could be following the evidence. We could be thinking about opening up lots of pro-social centers and that are staffed with many hours to bring youth to have something to do, right? Something structured to do. Do we you have like rec centers? Rec centers that have programs that have 
safety officers there as well. There's the Police Athletic League. We could have middle schools that have active programs, active aftercare programs that are staffed by skilled teachers and skilled social workers. We could be using lots of other agencies and departments besides the police department to create and staff pro-social places and activities for our youth. We could be right now for next summer, you know, the summer is seven months away. We could be thinking about the summer jobs program for next summer. Yes, that's seven months away, but right now we should be making sure that we have summer jobs that are coupled with, in Chicago, they have this great summer jobs program that's coupled with a social emotional learning component that showed big effects. Um, when they tried it in Philadelphia, I don't think it was as successful because there wasn't similarly structured implementation. So I think really paying attention to how to implement these evidence-based programs for youth and young adults would go a long way for public safety. Dr. Katerina Roman, a criminal justice professor at Temple University, thank you so much for being on CityCast Philly. Thank you so much for having me. And here's what else Philly's talking about. The federal government is closing the Migrant Detention Center in Berks County next month. According to Philly Voice, ICE is ending its contract with the Berks County Residential Center, a 96-bed, women-only detention center, about 75 miles outside of Philadelphia. Immigrant activists and politicians have called the center, quote, horrifying and inhumane. ICE told Philly Voice that about 40 women are currently housed there. The ICE contract is set to expire on January 31st. And according to the Philadelphia Tribune, Nina Ahmed, a women's advocate, entrepreneur, and former deputy mayor, wants to fill the city council at large seat that was left open after former council member Helen Gim resigned. In 2020, Ahmed won the Democratic nomination for Auditor General, but lost in the general race. She's currently the state president of the National Organization for Women and was previously president of the Philadelphia chapter. And there's a Black men's grief group happening at the Revolutionary Vision Center tonight from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., located at 6143 Lansdowne Avenue in West Philly. That's all for today here on CityCast Philly. If you learned something from today's show, send a link to a friend. Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.